Hello there. Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host, Nay Rinley. My guest is again, Drew Stewart. This is Minute 27, which if you're firing up Netflix and going to 27 minutes, I have bad news for you because we are going to beginning at zero hours, 26 minutes, going to zero hours, 26 minutes, 59 seconds. Got to turn it off right there. Don't go to that 27 minute mark, despite the name. This scene begins with Blanc retrieving his invitation from his jacket to show Miles Braun. And it ends with Miles gushing about having the predefinite detective. And then he's cut off mid-sentence. They're sitting in the glass onion still for this whole minute, if you're trying to picture that in your mind's eye. How are you doing today, Drew? I'm good. I'm I'm good today. Um, this scene... Uh... I I believe at this point I was leaning forward in my in my theatrical seat, uh, just like why is he here? How is he here? Like you know, this is this is like the first real mystery of of the thing of the movie because we've 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 only really been introduced to the characters. Uh, well, we saw them solve a puzzle first, and then we're introduced to the characters, and hmm. and now we're into like the first mystery, like who sent this puzzle box like is miles going to be murdered at his own murder mystery party like why would the murderer invite benoit blanc to be there to to witness this like what what is happening what is going on is benoit blanc going to be mortified yes he is (laughs) can't believe he's here without an invitation i am mortified right he's a proper southern gentleman and and he requires an invitation before he can enter a home like some kind of vampire. Yeah, that's true. He needs a save the date. He needs an RSVP. And then he needs to be bowed at slightly before he enters. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. We got some discussion of the five boxes that he sent out. Miles tells us that his puzzle guy barely got them done in time, which I guess is a little bit of... Who knows who this puzzle guy is? Did he just assemble these puzzles or did he maybe design them too? We don't know. How many of these boxes did you create? Five, one for each of my friends. No test boxes, no prototypes. My, my puzzle guy barely got the five done in time and he apprenticed with Ricky Jay. And once the boxes are open and the puzzle's complete, is there any way to close them again? To, to reset them? Yeah, it, um, that, that is a question. I do like that we've got some name tossing around here that Miles hired somebody who apprenticed with Ricky Jay, who is a famous delusionist. So it, it makes sense that it's it's kind of weird to hire an illusionist for your puzzles. Like it's not like he was like a puzzle guy. He was like a card guy. Like he, sleight of hand and stuff. And you don't really need sleight of hand stuff to like design an interlocking puzzle, which is impressive the puzzle is impressive but i don't think that that apprenticing with ricky jay is what gives you that ability to design puzzles so maybe Mm. that's another clue another another bit of of miles that that maybe he's not quite right yes even though the puzzles were for small children as according to for children's puzzles (laughs) so dismissive there um (laughs) So they're still trying to figure out the mystery of this. He says he didn't have any prototypes. Uh, he's got the real invitation. I guess there's no name on it, though, like a name who it's to. Right. Miles signed five of them. And 
Like, you'd think he'd recognize his own signature if it was, like, a forgery. Hang on. Someone reset the box. Someone reset the box. They sent it to you as a gag. Miles is doing a murder mystery. Let's invite Benoit freaking Blanc. Oh, it's so good. But you'd also think that he would write his the the invitee's name on it. But also, you don't really get the impression that he's kind of the kind of guy who would personalize it. And he's just flummoxed on how this box could have appeared. But then Benoit Blanc says, maybe there's a way you could reset them. And that's when Miles figures it out that someone reset it. Right. Reset it, send it off as kind of a, a joke, a practical joke. Like, yeah. Somebody trying to legitimate legitimatize his the murder mystery party by yeah. uh, by inviting the greatest the world's greatest detective. Yes, the pre-definitive detective. Indeed. I, I don't. Why? I, I've got the pre-definitive detective. Like Batman, he's been described <laughs> as that. That's right. That's what so... DC Comics stands for. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The pre-definite comics detective. Should DC Comics do a run with Benoit Blanc? Absolutely. Uh, like I said in my Knives Out minutes, like I am all about like expanding universes with with like novels and comic books, and like I would love Benoit Blanc mysteries. You know, that'd be that'd yeah. be a really cool comic. Maybe they can just get someone else like. Like Casey Affleck or something, and then it could be a television show. It'd be kind of like the young Indiana Jones where you <laughs> get like the knockoff guy. It's not quite as good, and the budget's lower, but you know, it's still good. I'm still That's a good it. idea, too. <laughs> Casey sorry. Affleck. Sorry, Casey Affleck. I don't know why he popped into my brain. <laughs> but yeah, so he's not wondering who would have repackaged and sent this of the five people that are there. Who would have sent one of these? Right. right. It's no longer the mystery was if I made five, why are there six people? When there's actually nine people, but that's not important, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true, yeah. There's there's because everybody had involved. a plus one except the people who decided not to bring a plus one. And <laughs> right, right, right. So but that's good enough for Miles. Um I wanted to open up the segment called Is Miles an Idiot? Um you pointed out the what was his name? Ricky J. Yeah. Guy. That's that's like uh, sounds right. But if you know who it is, like like you do, sounds like it doesn't quite make sense. Then we've got him saying uh, pre-definite detective or pre-definitive. Oh, no, he said definite pre-definite detective, which I think he combined preeminent and definitive in his brain. Preeminent is an adjective which means surpassing all others. Very distinguished in some way, which would have been correct. And definitive, which means done or reached decisively with authority. It could also be like the ultimate version of something. So less right, but you know, it's 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 it sounds fancy. There's nothing wrong with that. If you if you act like you're you know um, saying it with confidence, or I think if you were just like what you know, maybe one would say predefinite. But like the fact that he just nails it on the head is kind of like interesting right i also thought we could take this minute to take a look at this set this glass onion upper level set and some of the things that are in the office that we noticed what jumped out at you um but besides the the 
illusion of it being full of stars. Like all the furniture is just harsh industrial like again like the car things that are expensive but don't look practical right they're glass right right everything's glass everything has a sharp angle Mm. it's just not i mean i guess if you've got a glass onion on top of your of your vacation home like it's 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 certainly a way to do it It's like when you sit on things, when you like think of the texture of something, you you go, oh, okay, you know, glass is hard, wood is hard. But then when you like really sit on them, wood is a lot softer than glass, especially on the edges, like you were saying. Right. This oh, does God, seem like edges, it would be oof. quite a, a killer on the, the bones. <laughs> and it's just acts all kinds of accidents waiting to happen. Like the whole the whole idea, it's not is that spoilers to talk about what like the glass onion was like the bar i don't know oh okay yeah there's a bar sign that says glass onion i guess we'll i guess we'll save that but yeah it is clearly a bar neon sign actually kind of clashes with the decor yeah like the idea of taking a song title a bar named after a song and then making it big and literal is also very miles Braun. like hey this this song is a metaphor, and the bar is a metaphor, and this glass onion is obviously people are going to think I'm smart because I made it reality. Yeah, looking through, it's all layers onion. of stupidity. Some other things I saw in there was like a long necked deer or stag or something on the table, kind of like uh, you know, like when you, you like melt glass and kind of like stretch it out, like they do that with bottles sometimes. Yeah. There's some Newton balls. Is that what they're called? You know, like the swinging. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not glass, weirdly. Seems like that would have been a easy. But, I guess they're, they... they're, but they're very cool. And is it really an office if it doesn't have those? No, <laughs> no, it's true. When you're a pre-definite inventor like Miles Braun, you you need to have uh, some swinging things. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, why isn't? Why aren't they glass? Like, it's not like they're clicking or anything. It it really kind of stands out looking at it. Yeah. Should have made him out of crystal, really, because he's so rich. Right. There's I guess also some... they count. There's a lot of mirrors. So maybe they count mm-hmm. as, as mirrors. Okay. Yeah. There's also, yeah, some circular mirrors that look like phases of the moon in the background. Mm-hmm. And then there's a framed napkin with a Polaroid above it, just kind of in the background. I don't know. I can't really with a, tell like what a they Fib- are. What is it? A Fibonacci sequence? Oh, the that is that what that's called? Yes. I right. With like the right. golden ratio and stuff. Golden ratio. Yeah. That's um, right. Something only a genius would have in his glass. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then also I noticed there's a fax machine back there. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some of that stuff will matter in this movie. But it's back What's- there. What's wild about all of this, all of this glass and reflective material is that it's half of a set built on a blue screen. Like to get back into the VFX, like every reflection, every everything that you can see through something that's glass is was added later. Like it's incredible just the amount of work just to have the reflective lamp reflecting the entire glass onion around it like there's no glass onion around it like that's a lot of work 
That's, yeah, that's a good observation. Yeah, that round lamp does have the whole reflection. And it makes more sense than trying to build this impractical thing. Right. It's true. I guess Ryan Johnson isn't Miles Braun. To, and, you know, like, you don't notice this. I saw it on the big screen. You don't notice, like, ah, that's, you know, that's all fake. And you know, they need to build more things for real. You know, no. the practical, you got to fly that jet and stuff, even though you're going to replace the background completely with digital and not credit the artist. Um, yeah, <laughs> so this this whole thing never. about, yeah, <laughs> the fact that you can't, we can't get a VFX breakdown for a movie nominated for, you know, best visual effects is, is strange. Sure, yeah. Uh, but like for movies, if you got the people doing it and they're doing it right, like you don't notice these things and these artists have come a long way since 2001 or 1999 you know the phantom menace a lot of that stuff's kind of shady but like this is this looks great like you can't tell looking at it that it's digital right yeah i i think to be honest there were parts where i could tell from the exterior that something didn't seem quite right, right. so i assumed that they hadn't built the whole thing but for these interior shots I think probably it's helped. It would be so hard to actually film in this kind of lighting environment and make it look good anyway. Mm -hmm. But you get such rich contrast and brightness. Yeah, let's talk about some cinematography here, I guess. Sure. We're getting uh, Daniel Craig, Benoit Blanc kind of centered within some of these symmetrical structures, uh, patterns of the glass onion, which I think is quite appealing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very kind of centered scene all of it seems like all of daniel's shots or all the blanc shots are like close up mm -hmm. and and all of miles shots are from across the table like giving us that kind of distance and even as the camera's moving in toward blanc like miles is still distant you know still kind of standoffish because you don't know how he's going to react to the box reveal that uh, you know, like, cause he hasn't been invited. So we're kind of getting closer on, on Blanc as he's nervous about having not been invited. And we're still away from Ed Norton um, as he's figuring out. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think they're kind of going for more of a subjective filmmaking technique. And I guess that's a difference between the first film where he just appears is kind of like a mysterious figure for a lot of it, not the point of view character uh but then in this film, because we know him already, he's the one we, even though we met other characters beforehand, none of them are our point of view character going into this mystery. Once we catch up again with uh, with Blanc, he's That's kind true. of our guy. Knives Out was really interesting in that it was like, here's the murder. Here's how it happened. Here's here's somebody. Ooh, is he going to figure it out? Do we want him to figure it out? Like like all that kind of thing. And this one plays because, yeah, because we know Benoit and we've, we've been with him already. This one plays more as a, at least the first half as like a mystery. Like mm -hmm. what is, what is happening? What is going to happen? Um, there's no time skips around, you know, where we find out how it happened and everything. Um, you just sit for this first hour in just in the moment for an, for the whole time. Yeah. And we're trying to figure out, Miles Braun instead. Yes. Who's the only character we haven't really spent any time with yet. Like this is our first moment with just, with just him, mm -hmm. which is, which is interesting. Like we spend the whole first reel without him. And then 
now here at the at the beginning of this one we're we're learning about him and about what he who he is because we we've heard about him from everybody and everybody's point of view but now this is our first time really experiencing him yeah the raw charisma of miles braun played perfectly by ed norton i think he does a great job of making this guy seem enigmatic but also not not cold and alien he's very uh very passionate person he's trying to seem in control at all costs but like but you know he's like getting excited about having him there but also wondering what happened and why he's here and stuff you know he's not doesn't seem to not care what what i appreciate about him is that he he is all of the rich people that you know that you've Mm. seen on tv he's not necessarily just elon or just jeff bezos or or something it's not like in Je- Jurassic World Dominion, where Dodson is just Tim Cook, for right. like, like poor Tim Cook, he probably tried to take his you know family to the movies one day, and it's just like, are you the bad guy in this movie? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that would but be like awkward. Blanc is, he's got he's got shades of Elon, he's got shades of 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 Bezos, and and just all those kind of people who are too smart or too rich for their own good. Yeah. And being a pandemic movie, Elon is more at the forefront of people's consciousness now than when they filmed this, and certainly more than when they wrote it. So I think right. people probably put that as a one-to-one a little bit erroneously. And also, yeah, what's so boring to like have a one-to-one for like, it's a, you know, it's fictional. You, you'd use these like archetypes and stuff, like I think making it similar to the types of people that you see that are rich in real life makes it feel more of this world. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he has so much of this art um, in this in this glass onion in this scene uh, really shows that he's not he's not collecting companies or whatever. He is like trying to surround himself with beauty, even though I'm sure he doesn't understand any of it. Yes. Which Narcissist, may come up later. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think you're right. I mean, who knows? But probably we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to cover from this minute? No, I think that uh, I'm really looking forward to the next minute. And I'm going to say that every minute. Oh, because it's a good movie. (laughs) Minute 28 of this movie, probably the best minute of this movie. You'll want to come back because otherwise you won't. You know, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Drew, for being on this episode. I will see you tomorrow morning. Oh, okay, Bright and early. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Set your alarm. Make oh, some no. coffee, eat a toast, and we're we're rocking. <laughs> we'll do. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.